Welcome to the TFT Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Ryan. Hi, Ryan. You can't see me because I'm an invisible boy. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I do. You're the one who makes me feel gorgeous. <laughs> Listen, um, like, you know, instead of just talking it out, let's just grab our 16 shades of blue. Um, <laughs> and let's, let's paint it. Paint your feel. Let's, let's paint your feelings. Uh, guys, guys, we're doing we're doing Tori Amos. Oh, I am so excited! Finally, after one hundred and six or seven episodes, uh, the podcast has come back to Tori Amos. Um, this is this is uh, the the album that we're going to be talking about is Unrepentant Geraldine's the uh, the release from last week uh, of uh, Tori Amos. It's being uh, hailed as a return to form. Um, in in certain ways, and we can talk about about why that is because I you know have heard them all. And Ryan actually sounds like you got into Tori Amos a little bit in this last week. Yeah, I've been drinking from the Tori Amos fire hose um, <laughs> uh, for for the last for the last week. Um, I've been uh, working my way through the first you know half dozen albums uh, or so, and um, and 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 listening and re listening to them, um, and it's it's been fun. I mean, in part two, I think it was. Um, tough to know what to think of this album um you know with, with an, any album uh any artist as as prolific um and with as built in a kind of a huge fan community and following and, and a huge uh hugely pr- productive career as Tori Amos w- to listen to something that is well into that body of work is really um was really tough especially when a lot of reviews are referring to what has come before and how it fits with a legacy and that it is a return to form or it's um or even what and I think this is something that we'll talk about, like what parts of her career um, uh, 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 it is like. Because because when I was kind of um, suggesting that we discuss this album, um, I said, what should I listen to to prepare myself? You know, Matt, you said, well, it depends on which Tori Amos sh- uh, shows up. Right. And, uh, and, and, and that you kind of have a theory of, um, of, of, of her catalog that I think we could um, either jump into now or, or tease out as we go through. Um, and well, I'd love to hear now yeah. that you, both about this theory and then after um, spending some time uh, with, the, with the album, how it both – you know whether it it is a data point that um confirms or challenges the theory and if it if it uh, it's not maybe not a, a theory it's a kind of a descriptive theory a typology or something right um and and which if if it does fit which of the kind of um areas of this continuum or or grid uh it falls into awesome uh, so, uh, as usual, we invite you to pause the podcast now if you have not yet listened to uh, uh, Unrepented Geraldine's. It's on all the streaming services. And for the last couple of weeks, I've included a link to buy uh, DRM-free MP3s or buy actual physical media if uh, if that's how you roll. Um, yeah, exactly. I think this is coming out on a on a double vinyl uh, special release. Um, so uh, uh, we invite you to pause now. Listen to Unrepentant Geraldine's. It's it's longer than a lot of the records that we've talked about recently. Yeah, this is like it? five five tweenses or seven <laughs> seven seven perfect pussies. Um, and so we'll do. Uh, uh, so uh, when you come back, um, and uh, oh, by the way, if you uh, 
click that affiliate link and buy the record will get a little kickback from that. So if you are into uh, purchasing uh, physical media or the downloads, uh, you can help us out by doing it that way. Uh, or on your streaming service of choice, um, it's, it's up everywhere and we'll be, uh, we'll be here when you come back. Okay, you're back. So which Tori Amos showed up for this? So here, here was my theory that I, that I shared with Ryan, or th- this is just the sense that I have after, uh, after listening, after listening to a lot of Tori Amos over the last, God, 25 years or so, uh, 23 years, um, is, is there are two, there are two kinds of, of Tori Amos records, uh, and and it's funny. One of the reviews for Geraldine's had its own typology, had its own like two kinds of Tori Amos. Um, that that I think is is uh, not exactly the same as mine. So it would be interesting to talk about that as well. I I notice a um, like a folk pop or a folk rock uh, Tori Amos um, that or a kind of welcoming, comforting. Uh, sort of connected with connected with motherhood and like the elements of um the elements of earth and water and uh you know with a kind of a very sort of yin energy right and then there is the the transgressive tori amos there is uh you know the artist who is sort of having those yoko ono-esque shriek sounds um on uh, uh on boys for pele or um, you know some of the other some of the other records like that some of the more baroque uh, of the baroque pop and you know I mean as far as so it's so that is a more like air and fire music it's a more young energy it's like uh, it's um, it's a transgressive uh, sort of it's a transgressive sort of thing and and I was thinking about transgressive and I was thinking and and it's more political by the way it's it's sort of concerned with um, a whole range of issues uh, that have to do largely with gender politics. And so uh, I was thinking about which one um, I was thinking about which one shows up and, and kind of, they both do on this record, right? Like uh, they, they both do, right? This is, there's definitely sort of, there's definitely sort of alienating moments, but the, the alienating moments have to do with kind of, um, with sort of silliness or, or sort of committing to the bit, right? Like with, with the giant, the giant's rolling pin. Well, that's the one that was on, on my mind. And, and also that has like, like a kind of oompa children's music kind of beat. Uh, yeah. And even like a little bit of a ukulele vibe, right? Whether that's children's music or even a kind of twee yeah. sensibility, right? So it's, it's, um, Right. So like, but like really being silly. Uh, and I mean, the other one is like, um, uh, Elvin Mare, uh, right. which is like the, the fairy stuff. Right. And like, like completely unapologetic, not, not even really all that self-conscious about, about all the, the fairy stuff, just, um, way into fairies and the, the doings of the, you know, the doings of the fairies and, and stuff like that. So I, and, and yet, and then there are also the sort of personal, uh, sort of, uh, more folky kind of um, kind of Tori Amos shows up, and that's I mean in songs like Promise uh, or in some of the the piano or, vocal or, ones. Or, or, or and and Sixteen Shades of Blue, as right? Well. 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's an, inter- that's an interesting one, right? Because I, uh, I, you know, I like this, I like this record a lot. When I listened, when I listened to it the first time, uh, my, my experience of it was like, okay, some interesting songs at the beginning and then this like soup for the, for the back half of the album. And I couldn't really differentiate the pieces. It was like a puree, you know? Uh, and, and it, it has rewarded some sustained attention as as the the uniqueness of the all the songs sort of become clear and as far as like baroque pop um i she really can give sufjan stevens a run for his money hmm. in terms of like weird instrumentation and arrangements a lot of the time uh especially time signatures which is something undoubtedly you noticed as a drummer right yeah. like time goes out all the time there are like uh an extra two beat measure or an extra three beats um i mean the one of the first uh big singles which was god off of under the pink uh it, the groove is in seven Right. right, and right. so it's it's. Uh, you know how we at here at TFT love a love a good uh, seven seven time signature jam. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, we love us our uh, our asymmetrical time signatures. So, um, so yes. So that's uh, that's what we're uh, you know th- th- that's uh, that's the uh, that's the other side of it, right? Like even in those even in those songs that are sort of about the more personal that are about the more personal things. And this sort of I don't know it it sort of marries the personal and the political uh, uh, sides of her songwriting in a way that uh, in a way that I think is is super interesting. You know, so this I don't is know. kind what of did, a, a th- yeah. Well, so this is a, a Tori Amos synth- synthesis in a way, right? Yeah. That there's a if there are there is a kind of dialectical movement between these um, between these poles or these modes um, throughout her career, um, then this is a, a kind of synthetic moment. Um, I just have a, actually a, a factual question because I didn't you know in part on your recommendation and in part you know kind of bandwidth like mental time and emotional bandwidth uh, did not make it through the kind of you know the kind of second you know the post. Um, 90s stretch of her career um, up to unrepentant Geraldine's. I mean, are, have there been other points of synthesis, uh, or and and or has it you know has it gone kind of like a pendulum that TikToks um, you know between these modes from album to album, or are there runs of albums that are more in one area um, or runs that are more in another? I mean, I know that and and because I know that also she's been done at least one or more than one um, covers album also sure. more recently. Um, so I, I would love to hear just kind of just structurally if we are at a synthesis point, is this one of uh, several or is this something unique in in the catalog? Uh- it's interesting. I think it's never been a whole album. I'm looking at the discography on Wikipedia now. Um, it's it's. I, I think there's never been a whole album where that's been, where that's been the mode. Obviously, it's a little. Uh, it would be a little too schematic. It wouldn't be a very interesting artist if if it was just this sort of binary, uh, single dimension, sort of binary uh, choice as to like what what's going to happen. So it's it it is a little more fluid and there are other dimensions to it as well. Um, one of the ones I want to talk about from, from the, uh, might've been the time review. Um, but yeah, so you, you listened to, to little earthquakes, which was the debut album under her own name or under her, her, her own stage name, uh, because she was born, she wasn't born Tori, um, under the pink, which was the follow-up boys for Pele, uh, which got really weird with harpsichord and, um, 
uh, you know, certain certain kinds of organs and and stuff like that uh, from the Choir Girl Hotel, uh, which uh, it actually is a record that I like. And I I, I read something uh, recently. Oh, I forget. I forget what outlet this was in um but it said uh but the the particular review said go go listen to um uh choir girl hotel and listen to garbage's second album which also came out in Hmm. in 1998 and garbage has not aged well and uh from the choir from the choir girl hotel is still a pretty awesome um album which is like i don't know that's a that's a very that's a very interesting way of praising something, right? We talk a lot about stuff that's that's trendy right now, and who knows if if churches or if uh, uh, perfect pussy or whatever, I or high M, right? These, uh, well, they have. I, I, you know what? I'll bet they do have some staying power. I mean, whether they continue recording under their name or not, uh, they've been in the business long enough and are good enough musicians that I think they're not going to like go get a different kind of job, right? But um, yeah, who knows, right? Like these are sort of uh, part of what we like is the ephemerality of them and and this sort of sense of of fashion, right? Of right. of sort of trend and taste. Uh, that that come into play with a lot of these, and th- th- when when we've done the historical uh, overview, we've been working with um, with artists whose whose work has uh, really stood the test of time. That I mean, uh, of decades, sure, not you know hundreds and and thousands of years like some works of music or literature, uh, but. Um, but you know, is still worth playing, right? It's still worth playing the Beach Boys. It's still worth playing the Beatles. It's still worth playing Springsteen. It's still worth playing Carol King. Um, and I, I think that that with Tori Amos, you have a, um, you have a, we're sort of in the, the region of uh, of an artist who, um, whose work will withstand uh, the test of time. The high points of it will. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and I think that I mean part of what was I think really striking about um, about Tori Amos. I think that that a you know, and I know that Tori Amos has been around for a while and has been around since the 1990s. And so, you know, this the, the kind of biographical fact that's coming out a lot with um, the press around unrepentant Geraldines is that um, is that she's correct me if I'm wrong turning fifty this year or recently turned fifty. I think so. That's um, right. Well, I guess she's she'll you know be, like she'll be, she'll be she'll be she'll be um, I guess she turned uh, fifty last year, she'll, so she'll be turning fifty one in huh. in August. Um, but you know that people like the the number of the the fifty year old um, you know musician uh, singer fifty year old singer songwriter and that. Like I, it's weird that that to me, as someone who had not listened a lot to Tori Amos, but had, you know that she's kind of there in the um, you know in the in the landscape of someone I'm aware of. You know, I think having grown up in the '90s and kind of engaged with MIT uh, MTV and and uh, you know kind of alternative music in the '90s, she's kind of there in the peripheries of alternative music. And you know, uh, some of the videos and songs would show up in that space on on radio stations and uh, in programming blocks um, in on on MTV. Um, and I think that. You know, for whatever reason, more than other artists, 
you know, I think I was surprised to to understand that 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 I did not think of her as being fifty, um, and that, that she seemed kind of ageless uh, uh, to me um, in in a way. And so I think that that and and then and kind of thinking, you know, having read a couple of um, articles and getting ready to um, listen to the album, that, you know, it, it's it's actually not a surprise that she actually engages with this with either with age explicitly or with the passage of time. Um, and kind of generations um, again and again on the record. I mean, I think we can zoom in on that. We zoom in um, on a, a few songs. Um, I think, in, in, and I think that I've you know mentioned a few times um, this um, Sixteen Shades of Blue song. And I think that I mentioned it in part because it was one of the first songs that um, that really jumped out at me. Um, maybe my first or second listen through the album um, because it you know it has both you know the piano is central as one would kind of expect from a Tori Amos song, uh, but it's it, it was striking. In fact, that actually a number of songs, especially a number of the early songs on the album, um, like America and Trouble's Lament, um, you know, the piano is absent or you know kind of buried, and there are other instruments that are lead instruments, and there are ways in which you know it's not necessarily a post-piano album, but it's it's not you know if you go and listen to. Um, you know, little earthquakes, um, especially it's all, you know, the piano is there and obviously there, there is accompaniment, but that the, that, you know, the, the, the ways in which the piano is played are, is, is really kind of a central thing that's going on musically, um, in, in little earthquakes. And here it's that it's, it's one of the, the piano is one of the 16 shades of blue that she has to draw on, right? That, that there are, you know, on the one hand, there's not an infinite, uh, variety in what, um, uh, Oh, uh, Tori Amos is going to do that. There's a a kind of Tori Amos uh, sandbox <laughs> that you know a set of tools that she can um, uh, draw from, and uh, and 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 the kind of piano and a certain type of song structure and feel are 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 part of that. Um, but I think that Sixteen Shades of Blue struck me musically because it coupled that with this kind of electronic um, beat. And um, and that- so yeah, this isn't the first time. This isn't the first oh, no. time that that's ha- that that's happened. No, no. One of the one of the records that you missed uh, is like the trip hop record. Um, Got it. To Venus and back. Got it. And well, and there are some um, also kind of more like uh, dance, like electronic, not electronic dance music because that means a specific thing now, but almost like house music or yeah. other kinds of you know this almost like. Um, yeah, like uh, yeah, like these kind of almost Madchestery dance music um, breaks, like almost like a breakbeat type um, music um, on uh, both. I mean, there's a few of those songs both on um, Boys, what Boys for Pele and Choir Girl Hotel, if I'm sure. not mistaken. Yeah. But I think just on this um, in the arc of this record, it, it, it struck me in part because that it was like you know closer to. Um, types of music that I usually engage with and listen to, um, and then B, it, it stood out from. I mean, um, you know, each of the songs, uh, especially early in the album, goes through a few different modes of, of types of instrumentation and strong stru- structure. And that's, that's very interesting, right? Like that that it's it's almost more a classical. It's almost a more classical paradigm where it's like it's it's like a suite or it's like a, a piece with movements where it's mm-hmm. like here's the minuet, here's the gavotte, here's the you know what I mean. And these yeah. these are all um, yeah sort of different different styles with with different frames of different points of reference. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that is how I kind of um I mean it's interesting, right? So so 
Um, she talks about, I mean, let's, I guess let's, and we can, you know, keep zoom back out to the macro level as needed. But, um, since I'm kind of on 16 shades of blue, sure. um, you know, that, um, she says, um, you know, you know, the, the kind of, um, stanzas that are kind of at the beginning and at the end, she says, are you telling me it's over disintegrating loss and there's nothing I can do, um, before you drop another verbal bomb, can I arm myself with Cezanne's 16 shades of blue? Um, and I, I, I mean, again, how I'm interpreting like 16 shades of blue as being as kind of the, you know, the, the, the palette that she works with as an artist. Um, and I don't know, maybe there's, I, I don't know the, um, broader, um, kind of, uh, you know, my, my art history is one of my, my weaker areas. Um, so I don't know if there's another kind of way to understand, um, Cezanne in this context, but I, I kind of, when I hear multiple shades of one color, I think about, um, you know, that this, this, uh, idea of, you know, kind of not even variations on a theme, but kind of, you know, that working with a, a rich, but ultimately kind of tight palette, right. That, that, that it's, uh, and, and I, and I think that her working in that classical, um, mode of, of, of having different styles of song, which are then, um, textured throughout this album, I think is, um, like relates to this, this song. And I think that part of this is, you know, that throughout the song, you know, later on, um, she says, um, you know, get over it. If 50 is the new black, hooray, this could be your lucky day. Uh-huh. Um, and, and later on goes to, on to say at the different points in, in her life or career, uh, where she's been too old, whether at 33, which I believe would then be pretty early in her career, you know, that, you know, she feels she'll lose her job, that there's a ticking clock, uh, or at, uh, at 15, which, um, correct me if, if my biography is wrong, but that would be, you know, when she is kind of studying as a classical musician and people are saying well she should have started at three right you know and the, and this idea of always being um too old and and i think especially with respect to um you know the way that the productive periods of of um women's careers are are viewed that there's these ticking clocks uh that are present and so that what i see is um you know that that this is like the pressure, and this is the kind of you know the um, the naysaying that is happening, right? There's and it's, it's so it's interesting dialogue with um, Jesus, which we discussed last week. That there are kind of these sixteen shades of blue for me sound like it's like Tori Amos solutions to Lily Allen problems, right? <laughs> that, that, that you know that there are people are t- someone is talking, and, and we get and maybe have a read on who the you uh, the you is. Uh, here, but um, you know, I but I think that you know, there's a voice of kind of criticism and and um, uh, discourse saying you know you can't do this or you uh, are are getting too old in some way, um, and then and then um, and then there's a kind of defense against this or one, you know the, a arming of oneself. So the the um, yeah, arm myself. That that was the the like salient detail that I wanted to point it out about that. Yeah, yeah. Is that, the, that the relationship between uh, the singer and and the sixteen shades of view, a blue is that they're like an armament, right? Right. And if you think of like paint colors, um, you know, Hamlet saying paint an inch thick. Uh, the idea being makeup, right? The the face paint um, as a kind of as a kind of armor, as a kind of way of arming yourself against uh, you know the ravages of time or against. Um, 
you know, people outside seeing the real you or sort of presenting a more uh, acceptable images, um, uh, acceptable image to to people out there. And it, it makes me I mean, it's so um, it's a it's a. Uh, uh, human problem, but it's uh, it's uh, if if you abstract it out a little bit and about sort of acceptab- acceptability and sort of you know private inner self versus uh, public outer self and sort of trying to fit in and stuff. But it it really is um, so uh, it, it really is in its specifics such a, a female problem, right? Like, and it's a problem about about feminism and about sort of gender politics. Yep. And this is not the, this is not the, the first time that her music um, has really sort of gone there. And actually she's been uh, unafraid. She's been very, very brave uh, from, from the first record in sort of talking about her, her own experiences and this sort of particular kind of gendered aspects of her experience, whether it's, it's uh, her experience being raped in uh, little earthquakes in the song, me and a gun or, um, in uh, a lot of the songs in Choir Girl center around uh, her experience of having a, a miscarriage, right. right? And there's a lyric in in uh, Spark, which is the the leadoff track in that, mm-hmm. which is a uh, uh, a sort of a, a little self portrait in in two lines, um, which is uh, she's convinced she could hold back a glacier, but she couldn't keep baby alive. Wow. Right. And like, yeah, I know that's raw. It's super raw. And actually, so is me in a gun, all the more so because it's it's um, uh, unaccompanied. Right. It's it's just vocal. And I think that's a that's a trope of for realness. Right. Like that's it's uh, it's very clear that 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 is sort of without any any shades of anything kind of painted. Uh, painted over it um, to this sort of talking about uh, talking about aging and talking about uh, motherhood right in in a way and 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 I sort of connect this with some of the fairy stuff right like my other great um, my other great sort of alternative uh, uh, kind of folk pop love or folk rock love uh, when I was a teenager was um, uh, was Ani DeFranco, and it's it's in, instructive for me. It seems instructive now to contrast the politics in Toriamis with the politics in Ani DeFranco. Uh, for for Ani DeFranco, she's talking about um, traditionally political issues, many of them having to do with gender and having to do with with gender bias, with sexism and, and misogyny, um, but also having to do with uh, economic uh, oppression, with um, right. different different kinds of things. And it's it's more the song is a pro protest about uh about a change um that you that you want to see uh, that you want to see in the world right like about about a revolution that uh uh, about a revolution that should take place non-musically, right? Um, right? For Tori Amos, the song is the revolution, right? Yeah. She sings the change she wants to see in the world, and and uh, it's a it's a very interesting. I mean, it's a very interesting politics. We've talked about sort of certain aspects of performativity. We've talked about. Um, you know, uh, certain kinds, certain kinds of speech or certain ways that artifice can be, um, can be more for real in a sense. Uh, and I think that by sort of living, by sort of embodying, uh, a lot of this stuff in song, um, which is a strange thing to say because it's just, I mean, it's just sound waves. It's just noise in the air. But there is a, a real sense of kind of embodiment, I think, in a, in a lot of her music. And by, by doing this, this itself, 
so goes the claim anyway, and I suppose you could argue with it, though I'm not in a mood to. Um, this itself uh, is a change, is a positive change, is a is a sort of a political act. Um, just the embodiment, just making the miscarriage a subject of a song, uh, kind of bringing it into you know bringing it into the sort of rock and roll canon or into the discourse uh, a little bit. One thing that she said about Strange Little Girls, which is the album of covers, is that after her daughter was born, uh, her daughter Natasha, who who duets with her on this on this record in a really uh, in a really interesting song that I would like to talk about uh, yeah. when we get to it. Um, uh, she said that uh, there wasn't. Um, she wanted to sort of reappropriate the rock canon for her daughter, right? She yeah. she wanted there to be. Um, she wanted there to be a sort of uh, uh, feminist classic rock, right? And so yeah. everything from 97 Bonnie and Clyde into like there's a, a Tom Waits song that's on that record that I love. I love the original and I love her cover of it. Like there's a lot of there's a, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. And we listened um, uh, while you were out here in L.A. and we, we were uh, spending all of our time recording episodes of TFT and and uh, barely had a chance to eat the uh, <laughs> the. Um, uh, the, uh, we were listening to Tori Amos in the car as we were driving around, around, uh, the city. We were really blasting it out the windows, um, like the, like the bros that we are. And, uh, I was, I was hanging out of the sunroof, just like, uh, you know, wiggle, waving my hands like, yeah, shaking my hips like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and a Tory song was on, <laughs> and a Tory song was on. Uh, so, um. One one of the things one of the things that I played for you was a live uh, a live recording from a concert in L.A. that is released as like an official bootleg, an official live recording, and there are like sixteen or twenty of these uh, from um, from a couple of the different tours. Uh, and uh, the one the one that I played was a was a cover of oh god, what the hell was it? Uh, Living on a prayer. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and it was it's awesome. It's yeah. so awesome. It was really good. And some something you said that I thought was was right on was like this uh keeps what is good about the song and also kind of imposes not imposes but also sort of infuses right the 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 singer's own subjectivity and the the performer's own um uniqueness in into it like the Borg we we shall add your uniqueness to our own. Uh so we um you know, so I don't know. There we were rocking out to uh, to piano vocal um, piano vocal stuff. But what do you? I mean, what do you make of this? What do you make of this politics? Especially as you listen through to some of the uh, to some of the old catalog that's very you know that's very politically engaged. I mean, I think that I I, I think that it's interesting to try to engage with it on this album um because i think the songs that do that i mean in some ways that that's more what i expect from from tori amos so like a songs that are kind of making the personal political um seem to be um like not as surprising because it fits my my prior expectations i think that the what and you kind of mentioned this second class of song um a little bit 
and which is harder for me to understand or uh, wrap my head around within this kind of um, idea of of the politics of Tori Amos songs are the more elven songs. Um, are the songs like here on like like Maids of Elfenmere, um, like uh, like like uh, Giants Rolling Pin, um, like Selkie. Um, like Rose Dover and Invisible Boy, um, where there it's where you're living in a much more kind of mythological place. Um, you know, some reviews have described it as being Celtic in a way, um, either musically or or in, in this tone. I've I've seen also refer refer to it as being epic, and I I just have less. Uh, you know, within this idea of of there being, if we're kind of saying that there are these, I mean, is this just you know how do, how do we understand that and I, um so I, I guess i'm answering your question with a question of you know the the songs that are kind of political um through the personal um i i think i can understand and kind of fit into um like a lot of uh the earlier albums but if if this is a kind of synthesis album and or an album that's even kind of not just a synthesis or in in insofar as it's a recapping of what came before but in terms of creating a new thing that could possibly go forward you know what do we make of these more you know these more mythological um uh or epic uh songs and also then again as a a kind of you know detail bit or background question you know to what extent is are, are is there a basis for this within her um body of work of, yeah. of songs um that that live in this kind of elf space so <laughs> so uh here's the thing here's my take on elf space uh here's here's what i think is is going on there um she biographically her father was a minister uh, and so she was raised in a very, um, I, I think, a very kind of foursquare, buttoned up, uh, rep- repressive, misogynistic kind of Christianity, right? And not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not like a Vatican II, like liberation theology, like uh, socially engaged, um, you know, uh, uh, Catholic worker movement kind of Christianity, right? Like, because, you know, it's, it's worth, I, I don't know, it feels, as a Catholic, I feel bound to point out a lot of the times that there is, there actually is a left uh, within the church. Um, yeah. But 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 she did not grow up in it, right? Like, right, right, right. and so this sort of rectitude, and and I can only I I find it so strange because I didn't grow up in 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 that ing- environment. I grew up in Los Angeles. You might have heard of it. It's in Los Angeles, and the uh, the um, so my like cultural background is so different. But it comes up so much uh, talking about the kind of the repressive and oppressive aspects of. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the of the Christianity of her upbringing, um, that I can only imagine that it really like it really warmed its way in and sort of found its way. You know what I mean? Kind of found its way very deeply and and probably unconsciously uh, into every aspect of her life. Definitely. And, and actually, and I think before you kind of circle this back to the elf and elf space, I will say that um, this is also and as you were describing this, that I, this actually. Um, Links really directly to the title track to Unrepentant Gerald, right? Um, which is maybe what you were going to say. So I, I apologize if I stole your no, thunder. No, 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 no. It's not. It's uh, that's actually a connection that I that I. Uh, I, I mean, I'd thought about it before, but that wasn't where I was going to go right now. But yeah, I mean, the word. It's not unapologetic, Geraldines, right? Right. It's not. Uh, 
you know, uh, awesome Geraldines, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not Geraldines who love too much. Unrepentant has yeah, a very pure, pure Geraldine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it, I mean, it, I want to make a Lord Tori Amos mashup album. How awesome would that be? That wow! I think we might have the first release for our label. Um, yeah, exactly for, um, for TFT yeah. Records, but we'll only do, we'll only do it on on cassette. Uh, oh, absolutely. Actually, you know what we'll do is we'll get two cassette players to play and a third cassette player to record, and we'll just play the albums at the same time in the same room and record. I just want to. I, I also I want to sample just the um the Lord line about it drives you crazy getting old. Then just like just drop it in in like different pitch shifted and modulated ways throughout the entirety of unrepentant unre- Geraldine. Right. Because um, I feel like you know like what does Lord know about getting old, right? And then put these two in in dialogue with each other. Well, that's, yeah, um, I mean that's very interesting. I think Lord should open for Tori Amos, though. I, I guess she won't be opening for anyone uh, anymore. Uh, she's probably bigger than that now. But um, so, so what I think about the Elf Space is that uh, is that it's actually it's actually an attempt to, and th- there are a couple of them, right? She she is uh, in in her ancestry, in Tori Amos's ancestry, she's she's part Cherokee, and so in. Um, in uh, some of the the work and and Scarlet's Walk, which is which is an album that I didn't assign you to read because it's after the the sort of Atlantic period, which is my the Atlantic Records period, which is my favorite. Um, it was it was a recommended reading on the syllabus. Yeah, not exactly. A, not, a, not a required reading. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of sort of Native American stuff on there, and I think there's like a dreamcatcher in the album art or something, you know, something like that. I mean, the 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 risk with with these things is is you know is always that that you're sort of facing charges of appropriation or or stuff like that um but i i think that that a lot of these non-christian spiritualities and these kind of non uh western um i think these sort of non-western uh, mythological systems uh or non-mainstream i mean i suppose irish is the west but uh you know um, these things are about actually trying to to construct for oneself a uh, a kind of signification, a sort of field of signification that you can live in, right? Yeah, yeah. That that has room, kind of like like the revisionist history of the rock catalog for yes. a daughter, right? Yeah. Who's being raised by musician par- or music industry parents. Um, uh, it's a kind of like it's a sort of revisionist spirituality that is uh, that is intended to be a lot more a lot more feminist, a lot more w- welcoming of women, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and sort of a, a lot more celebrating of their unique experience and and accepting of it rather than than uh, being exclusive and repressive towards. That's it. that's very interesting. So to kind of read this as a kind of almost like a cosmological or kind of spiritual bricolage, basically. Yeah. Right. So that at the level of, you know, which um, Kitty is engaging in at the level of, of Tumblr and, and reblogging, right, that that um, that there's a, actually a lot of um, unrepented Geraldines that does that with kind of spirituality and and history um, and kind of identity. Right. That like not, not not identity, just of like the identity of self and the kind of various faces of one, but kind of, you know, ancestry right um and kind of drawing on um various um pieces of mythology um and and you know essentially i mean you know 
whether it's not Western, but there's a, a sort of a elements of kind of a gleeful paganism uh, that, that, that uh, comes throughout. Um, and or again, not only gleeful, but as, as we were saying, you know, unrepentant um, and that, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and, and I think we can circle back to that, um, to, to Gerald, the unrepentant Gerald deeds um, in a bit and the kind of piece of art that, um, uh, that that inspired that, which is a um, you know uh, an etching uh, called Geraldine of a woman praying to Virgin Mary, um, I believe by an Irish um, an Irish artist, um, and so. Yeah, I think that this kind of, um, you know, again, in, in, um, I don't know why I suck a pin in it, because I, you know, in, in, in the unrepentant Geraldine's itself, um, you know, she says, I'm going to free myself from your opinion. I'm going to heal myself from your religion. Uh, I'm going to free myself from your aggression. I'm going to heal myself from your religion. Right. Um, and, and that's, then, a, I mean, yeah. that's an interesting, that's an interesting claim to make, isn't it? Or that's, that's an interesting ambition, right? It's not, it's not, I'm going to fight back or I'm going to find a uh, find a place for myself in your religion it's that i am going to kind of reassert my own integrity right yeah. as a uh, you know as a b- being who is just fine by herself you right. know who uh, who doesn't need uh who doesn't really need to be in dialogue with with um you know all your stuff that's it that's a that is an interesting claim to make uh uh, there. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. I mean, I was, I was just connecting this. Um, I, I think that, um, that, 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 that's an interesting connection. I think that that ties, um, you know, that, that, that presence, you know, ties together really well. And actually, in some ways, just the intention of, um, freeing myself from your opinion actually draws a line between um, unrepentant uh, Geraldines, which actually comes in the last kind of you know the beginning of the last third um, of the of the album, kind of and uh, and the kind of you know it's it's really interesting, right? Because unrepentant Geraldines is a is a rock song, right? Right, and and it, it feels like kind of like very much like an alt rock song, and it's, it's really a cool song. It actually reminds me of some stuff from the most recent um, the most recent PJ Harvey record, huh. um, let let England shake, uh, which is a really cool record uh, as well. Um, and just kind of it, there's a similar kind of this um, not exactly punk, but this kind of again like alt rock um guitar rock vibe um and and and, and it's cool because there are these kind of slower breakdowns and then this more like double time chugging um uh uh piece but then that that kind of is the prelude to a um uh, uh, the ba- the last third or last uh, quarter of the album uh, which are three songs that are much more slower and um um, and piano based. Um, but, but what I was going to say is that there's this kind of, uh, um, that unrepentant Geraldine's in 16 shades of blue bookend this middle part of the, this middle movement of huh. the album. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and, and again, so that there's this, I'm going to free myself from your opinion, um, connects to the, um, you know, um, you know, you say, um, you know what that, uh, you're, are you telling me it's over, uh, and there's nothing I can do? Well, I'm arming myself. Right. Um, and, and so that I see that these two are, are connecting. And so again, so part of this, you know, p- 
you know, part of the way of what is being armed with are the various musical styles and uh, and modes, um, but then also these various um, you know spiritual modes and and kind of um, you know mythological worlds and you know theories of the universe and the self in the universe um, seem to be also tools that are, are tools of, um, of of liberation, right? That 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 there is you know this is. You know, even if she was not raised in a liberation theology, she's kind of you know creating one by by bricolage. Yeah, sure. Um, and and that like it's it's interesting. Like, okay, that I, I want to like sp- I want to sort of figure out what's going on with your theory here with from Sixteen Shades of View Blue. So, um, Elfenmere, right? Like, is the the elves are like watching the the boy with the chestnut hair sleeping mm-hmm. at night, um, and yet he really wants to sort of join them in fairyland, right? Right. So they, they, the the sort of women who are who are protectors, who are guardians, right, um, are uh, uh, are sort of charged with taking care of the, per, the of the man who wants to join them, but kind of can't, who doesn't have access to their to their uh, their kind of like secret magic, right? And right. then promise is kind of about motherhood and is about this kind of push pull. Uh, between mother and daughter, like a yeah. really, you know, uh, it's the kind of anti cats in the cradle, right? Right. Uh, because it's it's actually about kind of communion between the generations, yeah, between yeah, a mother yeah. and a daughter, rather than this this sort of wall that that uh, cats in the cradle is about. Um, Giants rolling pin is about. <laughs> The NSA and the FBI, but 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 it's about sort of domestic uh, domestic labor, right? Making hmm. pies, uh, you know. It's like it's really about like can our surveil- can a surveillance um, network, vast surveillance network, uncover the feminine mystique, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, like it's like there is like it almost takes it literally like there is a secret and it's the pies. <laughs> Um, like there's a secret in the pies and we have to get to the, we have to, we have to crack the pie code. Right. Um, right. And it, it's, it, it is some, it, it, like you don't notice that, uh, when you're listening to it, cause it's, it feels like it could be a children's song or a, a, a twee song. And it feels like, you know, silly. Right. And, and, and like, and, and, and silly in a way that is like, you know, both it, it's like. But by name checking the NSA and FBI, you're like, whoa, this is like political in a like kind of way that I don't know. Is this hacky? I don't know. And then there's a a kind of you know sing along chorus about a giant's rolling pin. Uh-huh. Um, but then when you kind of step back from it, it's there's there is something kind of awesomely subversive uh, in the gender politics that are here. That if it's you know that these agencies are trying to crack the pie code. Um, and I think it's I think it's really it's interesting right? that, that there that, though that is about kind of like you're saying um, that you know about these these you know any kind of whether it's a feminine mystique or these like you know these these secrets these these gendered secrets um, and I, I, yeah so I think that's actually really uh, interesting but go on um, I, I broke in so Selkie is about uh, Selkie is about um, the like the what the changeling seal beasts right and this this particular one like unzips her seal skin and and uh lives as a as a woman for the uh for the love of a man right 
and then unrepentant and unrepentant Geraldine. So, I mean, it strikes me that there are sort of varieties mm. of, there are varieties between 16 Shades of Blue and unrepentant Geraldines. Uh, it's a window into these varieties of feminine experience, whether in like the, the sort of unique bonds of sisterhood, the unique bonds of, of uh, motherhood, the, um, the subversive potential of femininity inside mm-hmm. a male discourse of, of surveillance and of power and control. And, um, and also uh, of a kind of sacrifice, um, you know, a, a kind of uh, sort of sacrifice for love that's a, that is a mature sacrifice and not a sort of coerced or oppressive sacrifice. Right, right. Uh, and, uh, and then you get, you get unrepentant, you get unrepentant Geraldines. I mean, that's a, that's a, a sort of an interesting, uh, that's an interesting kind of second movement. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I, but I think you're quite right that, that this is like, um, this is the second act of, of the record and it's, it is really has this, uh, thematic unity that's, that's really effective. That's, I mean, yeah, no, and it's, it, it, again, that's what's fun about doing this is I hadn't necessarily noticed it either, but kind of, you know, we also have our 16 shades of blue. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think in doing them, we actually, you know, in, in looking at some of these songs one by one and asking some questions of them, saw some, um, there's some interesting kind of connections here, which is, um, a fun, a fun discovery. Um, if that's what's kind of happening in the second movement, um, I mean, what, what's, What's happening early on? What's you know? What's if where? What is interesting in this first third of the um, of the record from America uh, down to Weatherman? Um, uh-huh. Was there like what songs were were, the, were any of those songs? Um, did any of those stand out to you in an interesting way? Well, any song that begins "I hate you, I hate you." Uh, it is bound to get attention, right? <laughs> like, um, so, uh, but it's so, I mean, it's so kind of lugubrious and, and, uh, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem super, uh, super aggressive. There's a kind of, I don't know, a meditative or, or even almost resigned quality about it. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, the, the thing that's, I mean, the thing that's interesting here, right? Like is, uh, the, in the chorus, um, yes, there was a time when you always uh, oh, it, so it's a, it's a like a dependent relationship or it's yeah. a, like a codependent relationship yeah. or something. You're the one who who makes me feel good. I can't feel good unless you approve of me and stuff. Um, yeah. But the chorus, yes, there was a time when you always did uh, when you didn't always get your way back uh, there where my heart was not so easy to invade uh, when my battlements were strong before the pilgrims came. Yeah, don't forget you were the one who. Loved my wild way, and yeah. so the the political. I mean, the 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 yeah. interesting confluence of the personal and political here uh, has to do with like has to do with colonization and mm-hmm. a kind of a kind of colonization of the self, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right by a by a partner um, who or you know or of you know the colonization of of femininity more gen- generally by by masculinity. Yeah, yeah. And, well, the the conquistador of the heart, right, <laughs> and. And the things that like, uh, you know, the things that attracted you to me, my, my, you know, my, uh, uh, friendly natives, right? Like my vast fields of, of, uh, you know, um, I don't know, ripe for planting maize and my, (laughs) my, uh, you know, I don't know, beautiful natural features, right? Like, um, 
uh, my ungovernability was is the yeah. very thing that you you sort of came for, and and also the and the very thing that you uh, uh, you had to sort of eradicate. Well, right. and and I, and I think it's interesting is that – and it's also what I kind of then read in the I hate you, I hate you, I do um, uh, pieces is that you can't go back, right? Once the colonization has happened, right. you can't uncolonize. Right. Um, and, and, that, and so that because once it's there, once there is right, – it's, it's really cool, right? You know, that, that um, kind of – you know, subaltern peoples or indigenous peoples are usually viewed as being the other. But here, this is from the perspective of the colonizer or the male is the other, right? right? And so that um, once there is that other there that then can, you know, create a a kind of a, a binary, you can't remove that. Um, and, and, and so and that just that once that, that is there and there is a male gaze, um, then that is what makes gorgeousness happen and you can't then you can't um take it away uh you there's a there's a kind of um yeah there's a it's like one of these pandora's box type um uh qualities there right that 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 once you know that there is this desire and that that is what creates kind of value um and and esteem you can't put that back in you can't you can't um, put that back in and ship it back away um and and that's very interesting and i think the use of this language of the pilgrims and of of colonization is interesting again what, what we're talking about actually about kind of um ancestry and about um um, American Indian uh, ancestry that that it's very this is a really interesting play of combining elements of that discourse with elements of a um, of a gender political discourse and so there's this kind of and it's, it's so there's this kind of intersectionality um, of rather than engaging in an oppression Olympics that there's a sort of a a this um, you know, a metaphorical usage of it, of one to illuminate the other, to understand this is how power works, right? And, the, and it's not saying, well, you know, yeah, it's just like, it's just like this, you know, but rather saying, you know, using it poetically illuminates something deeper about, um, about how this mechanism of, of control works and then, you know, what it would take to, um, you know, to, to, reclaim a wild way right i guess in some ways the second movement right this kind of sets up ultimately this the some of the problems that are um ultimately um uh, uh you know considered or or um addressed in the second movement uh-huh yeah um, go, yeah go go ahead so the 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 um the it's uh, yeah i mean it's interesting that sort of otherness right like uh I'm thinking now, I'm thinking back to the first album and thinking of me and a gun. Um, the me isn't holding the gun, right? Right. Like, and, and that's, that is an interesting, um, I can't think of a song written by a man called me and a gun. Uh, if, if there were such a song, right? Like, uh, written by a man with just with that title on any subject where the me wasn't holding the gun, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and that this is, uh, you know, this is, um, uh, this is kind of America and a gun, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. the, and the, uh, uh, you know, the gun is, is gendered. It's, it's, um, yeah. And you can't sort of un, <laughs> you can't sort of unoppress or you, you can't sort of unexploit yourself. You can't like re-insploit yourself. Right. Right. You know, right. uh, totally. Once, once your, once your natural resources are, are depleted, like another way of saying that is sort of times, times arrow only, 
uh, only runs w- one way, and that's I mean, and that's why the th- the thing I'm I'm saying like you know uh, the the song itself being the being the revolution or the the yeah. uh, presenting an alternative is so is so sort of Im- important here, right? Like yeah. the the. Um, uh, the Derridean project of deconstruction had to do with with revealing that uh, that these these binaries were actually never stable in the first place, right? Um, and and that the stability is the stability is an illusion for you know that that's deployed for political purposes. Here um, it seems like the uh, here it seems like it, it's almost less less concerned with that, right? Like I, right. I the, the 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 word wild actually really sticks out for me in mm-hmm. in in this song. There's a sort of there's a sort of wildness, a sort of wilderness and a sort of reclaiming or a, a rediscovery of of the wilder of wilderness and kind of the wilderness within oneself. Yeah. Um that uh that is po- is posited as the alternative um i'm not going to you know there there isn't a need to um deconstruct because you can sort of uh yeah you can sort of live in you can sort of live in elfin space right <laughs> right well and and um i think that this actually interestingly connects to the um the first song uh, on the album the first song in this movement uh which is america right and and as you drill down into the lyrics right it actually um actually i mean in some ways uh really sits with this of starts by talking about the other America, right? And the, you know, the first, um, the first, uh, you know, piece of this, the first stanza kind of, I mean, cause I, I say stanza because I'm reading these and as they're kind of formatted on the page, uh, in the lyrics, uh, site that we're using the fan site, um, they, they feel like, uh, on, on the page, they, they feel like poems. Um, and, and so I kind of call the each piece stanzas and in part because they're, they, they also feel like a lot of these songs don't necessarily cleanly, um, you know, map onto a, a, um, a, a verse chorus verse song structure but anyhow so this first piece of the song um you know says the other america you can find her sunday sitting by a stream on her own all alone um and the other america might show up on tuesday at your kitchen door she will ask politely is anybody home um and and so that the, you know i mean it seems that the other you know i mean right so, so it's she actually right two of the words that we used in kind of uh, breaking down wild way um are right here other and america <laughs> right and and that this other america is gendered female um and is um and and is 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 connected to the natural world is is polite um and is uh and and what else i mean what else is kind of going on in and this it, other and this kind of uncomprehending of the the political disengagement yeah. uh, of the mainstream america i was sort of trying to think of like who is the other america is it the economic is it the 99% or is it women or is it uh, racial minorities, or is it like who is it? And it's I, I think it's like everybody, <laughs> you know. I think we all are the other. America. We, we are the other America, right? Yeah. To the extent that to the extent that the sort of uh, you know boots on the ground experience of life um, does not fit the dominant discourse, right? Doesn't right. doesn't fit the the public, um, the sort of public discourse. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I think that this links to um, a line that I don't think I did mention in Unrepentant Geraldines where she says, our father of corporate greed. Right. Right. And so that if they're – right, so we are the other America. So I think it is both a gendered thing and a um, – again, it's kind of intersectional uh, of of – um, gender and class, um, and and again, it's it, you know the the other America is the disempowered America, which is kind of an interesting idea to think about because um, even in the song she talks a little bit about kind of gl- America's global position. You know, we could be um, we we could be opening a doorway globally, um, so it's hard to think about this a disempowered superpower. Um, but I think that that's kind of that tension is is something that's being explored um, here in in this song, and I, I think connects in interesting ways to um, uh, to to Wild Way, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, what what yeah, stuck ahead. out? What stuck out for you listening through to that? Because I can't listen to it anymore and have any kind of new uh, experience of it. You know, just because I, I listened to those records so much as a kid. Um, what stuck out for you? I'm curious in the in your um, uh, reading through the. Uh, uh, in in going through the um, the early catalog, I mean, did you did you have a favorite? I did you like the did, did my dichotomy between a like uh, a uh, Yin folk rock Tori Amos and a a Young transgressive uh, Tori Amos make sense? And did you like one? How did you how did it line up for you? Did you like yeah. one better than the other? Um, I think that. I think I think it did line up. I mean, in some ways. So I, I spent the most time basically of from Little Earthquakes up through um, from the Choir Girl Hotel, and I actually liked all of them except for Under the Pink. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's so and, interesting. Yeah, and and I don't know what that means um, necessarily. Um, and you, so you tell me what that means, <laughs> um, whether about me or or what. I mean, knowing what you know about me and my proclivities, um, and what you know about this body of work, uh, uh, read the read the 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 Tory tarot cards. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think it's it, to a certain extent, it's the most it's the most conventional, right? Um, it's the one that's that's the record that like was played on the alternative rock station right. in LA a lot that had like back when like the MTV buzz bin was a thing that had uh, like God and cornflake girl were mm-hmm. in heavier rotation on MTV. Um, well, you know, and I think all of that support for that record was one of the reasons that boys for Pele, uh, charted so high as it did in its debut. And, uh, and boy, did people not know what they had yeah. in store and for I, them. Right. And I like, love that. I mean, the, you know, we've talked about this enough to know that, that I like the 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 alienating and confounding move, and so as someone who's kind of become a pop. And I mean, it's hard to describe. Oh her yeah, yeah, she burned a, the house down, yeah. right? And like, and that's because that's where that's where it led. You know, I don't know. That's where she was led to to go musically. And like, I find that found that album really difficult to listen to at the beginning. And like, you know, I got it on the first day. I like lapped it up, um, and I found fa- I found it very hard and very alienating. And it took me like a long time, like a period of months, even to kind of find a way in uh, to that album and to really be able to hear. Uh, what was going on, kind of underneath the underneath a lot of the the provocation, right? And now, now I I think there's a lot that's excellent about it, and, and can hear a lot of nuance in it because I've lived with it for so long. But but yeah, um, it, what I love, and I also just love. I mean, talking about this kind of you know the the confrontationalness or aggressiveness or whatever of this album. I mean, I love the album art on um, of, of Boys for Pele right. of her on on the rocking chair. 
there with the dirty, dirty feet, um, shotgun, right? With the, the phallus slung across her lap. Right. And then with her, her bare leg exposed and draped over the, uh, the chair. Like there's just so much, right? It's a, such a strong statement of purpose. And it's awesome, right? It's like, it, it reminds me of a, a quote that I love, you know, something that we talked about when we, um, talked about the hold steady record and we talked about starting with a positive jam but there's another <laughs> you know that there's another um uh thing that, and there's another line from a later hold steady record where they call that back and say it's one thing to start it with a positive jam and it's another thing to see it all through and i think that you know that you know kind of connecting um you know the <laughs> i mean it's really interesting because it's like you know i think that um tori actually started it off with a negative jam right right <laughs> Um, and and uh, and 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 I really liked Little Earthquakes a lot. Well, that's um, right. Yeah, I mean the first the first lyric is every finger in the room is pointing at me. I want to mm-hmm. smash their faces, but I get afraid of what that could bring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and we've come a long way towards I'm going to free myself from your opinion. You know. Yeah. Or yeah, from totally. just just doing Pele, and and by the way, right? Like she was our age when she released Pele, you know, like and yeah. and and had this whole that was still when the record industry was still a thing, and you know, MTV still played music videos, and like and radio was a big business, and there was this whole kind of. Um, alternative rock or modern rock yeah. you know got it got branded in a couple different ways but like there was this movement and like she could have just released another record with nothing but cornflake girl on it that was just 12 12 cornflake girls back to back to back to back right, to back right, right. and uh and she didn't do that right so like that's i don't know i feel like yeah. you have to you have to respect that now it swings back in choir girl because like choir girl is a lot more listenable um but uh like try counting one two three four uh listening to um uh spark you know you can't it it's it's insane the time signatures are insane um there's there's a great song actually if you like weird time signatures called police me on abnormally attracted to to sin uh, where you just can't. It's like a bar of five followed by a bar of six followed by a couple bars of four, and awesome. you can't. And it's it's all. I mean, it's all. Um, it's all very. It all fits very naturally with the lyrics, right? Like I feel like uh, Spoonman is kind of rubbing in your face the fact that it's in seven. You know what I mean? Uh, but God is not rubbing in the fact in in your face. It actually the groove like sits very nicely. Uh, and if you weren't, you know, if you weren't counting on your fingers, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily notice it. It it sits very. Um, it sits very nicely. So, so I want to like, I, I realize we're, we're going long, but I, there's another kind of aspect of this that I, that I want to bring up and I want to talk about just cause like you uncork this bottle. I, I could talk for another three hours about, well, that's, I mean, we, we like to like, you know, do a multiple of the length of the album. <laughs> so, so this is, this is going to be, um, like, you know, like with our, uh, our overthinking it recaps of 24, we're, we are recapping Tori Amos in real time right. <laughs> and we're, we're, you know, we're just going to roll over hour after hour. Um, until we say everything that has to be, uh, uh, there is to be said um, uh, about um, about uh, unrepentant Geraldines and about um, you know and about the uh, and and about uh, the entire Tori Amos discography. So we have a ways to go. So keep going. This is this is um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Strap in, baby, because uh, I'm going to free myself from your opinion. Uh, the um, 
So I, uh, I, I want to talk about, about her performance, both the, both the live performance and, and just the kind of distinctive vocal performance. Sure. Right. Um, it's, it, it, I, I go back and forth on it. Sometimes it annoys me uh, b- because I feel entitled to be annoyed by it. But if anyone else said a word against it, I would I would take them to task. Um, that that her she sort of alters vowels. She makes words sound weird, and it's it's sort of sculpting with sound uh, rather than you know rather than like. I don't know, like all my singing training is in musical theater where the the point is to deliver the words as clearly as possible. Right. Um, and uh, now, now I really want to see Tori Amos on Broadway. Like, uh, well, she did, and, you know, and she actually wrote this musical called the what the light princess uh, that they did in London. And huh. um, uh, she lives in, in the UK. I think her, right. her husband is British and, and uh so right, so um, yeah, I think that it is. They are talking about bringing it to uh, bringing it to Broadway. No, but so, I'd like to have her as like the as the star in a show, right? Oh, yeah, and, like, Tor- Tori Amos in like Annie Get Your Gun or right. something like that, right? I guess I guess I thought of that from looking at the boys from Pele. <laughs> oh, you can't get a man with a gun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that way, like alter, like altering the vowels, and I actually did the uh, like e for i or a. Uh, like uh, there, there are a couple of like substitutions, and and um, it's a it's a really unique thing, and it's only amplified in the live performances. And I've seen her uh, like a handful of times on on a lot of the uh, a lot of the different tours, and um, most recently at uh, most recently in Connecticut at like. Uh, Somewhere in Wallingford, um, oh, wow. at, yeah, an indoor an indoor theater where uh, um, where I also saw like Weird Al this one time. It was very strange. Um, huh. So uh, like she she plays theater. She also plays, I guess, arenas. Like she's playing the Greek in uh, uh, in. Um, well, no, that's not an arena. That's kind of a large outdoor outdoor theater. She plays she plays theaters, and her her sound is is theatrical. Um, I saw her once with uh, touring with um, Alanis Morissette huh. back in the day when we were in college, and uh, huh, and left for the second half, which was Alanis. <laughs> stayed for the stayed for the Tory half. Anyway, um, it's only and wait. So were they billed as was she opening for Alanis? No, they were. They kind were of a co-headlining. Kind and of, they were sw- um, they were switching off. Got it. They were switching off night by night, and then the night I saw it, she just happened to to be first in the rotation. Um, so the uh, so so in in performance, right? Like it it's even more, uh, and you can hear in the in the um, in the live records, it's even more the, these sort of sonic uh, these sort of sonic sculptures, um, especially in the in the solo stuff. Sometimes she she tours with the band, and honestly, I like that less than the uh, than the solo stuff. But the other thing that she got uh, early in her career that she got a lot of flack for, a lot of attention for was um 
that her like uh her using the piano bench as a sex toy right? right she would sort of sit with she would sit like astride the piano bench playing off to her i guess her left uh or to one side or the to one side or the other cuz then like when the harpsichord came in and the various organs and stuff like that came in they would go on the, they would go on the other side um well, you got to see this in her in the Wikipedia article. Um, there's a photo uh, in the section on uh, early solo career, and that's from the uh, Do Drop In tour right. uh, in '96. And it's she's not straddling the bench, but she's definitely like you know splaying her legs. Yeah, um, definitely. And like, uh, and yeah, and I I what? sort of. Go I don't ahead, know. Go I was sort of too young at the time to kind of understand, like, fully the sexual provocation, though it was talked about a lot, and so I got it on an intellectual level. But, but for me, I sort of loved this because, like, I was a classically trained pianist with, like, you know, two feet on the floor, sitting up, like, every, you know, elbows at ninety degrees, and and all this stuff. This, this, like. Uh, kind of rectitude incarnate at the at the piano, and like to me, it looked like poised for attack, like ready to like yeah. pounce on the on the keys. And I thought it was very cool and very sort of energetic. Um, at the yeah, that's that's how I podcast actually, <laughs> ready to go and just <laughs> leaning over the desk. Um, but like uh, I heard an interview with her. Uh, later on, or read an interview later on, where where she was like, and and like you got to remember that she was like twenty eight, twenty nine, like you know she was she was in, in her twenties when when her music career started, and you know she knew that there was something about sexuality and there was something about femininity, and and she was kind of already working with these kind of powerful forces and trying to come to terms with them, and she said like um, she said you know it's interesting to to be younger and not know how to be sexual in front of people, right, or not know how to like engage that that energy in front of people and it kind of came out in a way that that which she didn't renounce it but she said uh that's not me you know what i mean like or that's not that's not me anymore maybe that it's that it was a kind of earlier um uh an earlier kind of draft of of kind of what that that thing is right like in the the public image is still her you know sort of grinding on the piano bench and right. and kind of howling a little bit or uh, this is the the parody uh character that's in the Bob's Burgers clip that we'll put in the show notes right yep. there's a there's a fake Tori Amos and that's very, and, and you know, singing a very sexual song called Oil Slick and performing in a, a kind of a caricature of this way that you described right um so yeah, it, it, it's uh, that that exp- that sort of experience of sort of seeing her, of sort of seeing her live it, is uh, I don't know sort of colors colors my view uh, a lot. I'd like to. I mean, I think it's interesting. There's a few points in kind of this this you know this um, what what I would say is the um, you know like. Unrepentant Geraldines, our um, Unrepentant Geraldines podcast has movements, right? We're, we're in a kind of a second movement right now. Yeah, sure. And, 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 and in this movement, we've talked um, like a, a few times. Like I think we both talked about um, like in, when you – I think there's two pieces that we've alluded to. And I like to just kind of dive into um, like a little more uh, and then maybe uh, – and close, uh, which is you know the the – popularity of Tori Amos. And I, to, and I mean popularity both in the sense of the kind of intense fan community um, and also kind of mass popularity. And, and so this kind of came up, we talked about the um, chart performance of Boys for Pele, which reached number, which uh, 
uh, I don't know where it debuted, but it reached its highest point was at number two on the Billboard 200. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Under the Pink um, charted at number, uh, number 12. Um, and, um, and then we talk about her, um, you know, sharing a bill in, in the 2000s, early 2000s with Alanis Morissette, who was like a major kind of, um, alternative rock star of the, um, an MTV star of the, um, the, the 90s following, um, Jagged Little Pill. Um, and even now, and so I think understanding, and it's really hard, I mean, for me to, you know, I don't, as someone who is not um, a, a major fan, it's 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 interesting for me to 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 try to think through and you know engage with Tori Amos in this way. Um, in that you know there are a lot of other um, artists who were kind of you know during the nineties. She did. I mentioned this earlier. She didn't totally rate in my consciousness of my kind of relatively right mainstream alternative tastes um and and you know i was listening to weezer and nirvana um and green day um and then later on i don't know if i ever uh owned an alanis cd um but there was you know that that you know alanis was more in there and more on my consciousness and in the kind of guitar rocky space um, you know, than uh, than Tori Amos, and I don't, I don't know that it was conscious. It just wasn't exactly piped directly uh, in, and so you know, it's 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 interesting for me. I actually feel that you know Tori Amos is more somehow more underground, and only just because she like for whatever reason is not top of mind in a lot of ways. But um, Geraldine's you know has now debuted at number seven um, on the. Um, on the Billboard, uh, on the Billboard albums chart, so it's in the top ten, and we'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. Um, and I think that you know, even I, as I was googling around, um, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. Like you know, there she is famous enough to have, um, in, in addition to the parody on Bob's Burgers, um, you know, Us Magazine, you know, t- uh, uh, you know, supermarket tabloid, um, you know, uh, 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 extraordinaire. Um, uh, has a feature on uh, the exclusive Tori Amos uh, colon What's in My Bag, and it's the a a a um and it has a photo of a spilled out bag, and then a um a a uh, overview of which beauty projects um uh, products uh, Tori Amos uh, uses, uh, and it, and so it's like this interesting thing of. You know, in part because of knowing the ways in which she alienates and confounds the audience, and the fact that I was, you know, not engaged with her. You know, I feel like, like, Tori Amos is way more famous than I I, I can comprehend. Um, because and and you know because the I guess this is in part because she's well known and yet like elusive in a way, right? And 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 is is well known and is famous and is successful without you know. No one, I, I don't, I don't know. And maybe this, there is this discourse in the fan community, but for me, I've, you know, don't consider her to have sold out. You know, if anything, you know, she is like actually in some ways like MIA in like, you know, subverting constantly, responding to success by burning the house down. Right. Um, and so, right, she's um, kind of, you know, MIA with a piano um, in, in a way. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what was your respect from kind of the ins- from the almost opposite perspective of of from you know really um, you know 
from 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 deep within the fandom. I always, you know, I don't know. I always felt like. Uh... Like we were a we were a like a small revolutionary seller. We were like a, a subaltern people, right? Like and, mm-hmm. and and you know I don't know you could you would know us by like oblique references to the lyrics and and uh, if someone picked it up, then they were uh, you know they were they were um, I don't know you know that they were in the uh, they were right. they were in the the know right. right. All, it's all about the deep cuts, right? Um, well, and, and so like something that, that happened to me, I think I told you about this, but I used to, uh, back when CDs were a thing, uh, I used to ship a box of CDs back and forth from college every year because I had to have my CDs with me. How else was I going to listen to music? Uh, and they, so they went media mail. They went the cheapest route. It wasn't really expensive. Um, it took a couple weeks, but like, uh, still they got back and forth and I lost uh, a box once, only once in like four years of sending three or four boxes back and forth, uh, at the beginning and end of every summer, I lost a box once. Uh, and it had all of my, uh, Tori Amos singles in it, all of my, um, like imports and back when you would go to like a special record store that wasn't the tower records and buy, you know, a single for $34, right? Because it had a B side that you hadn't heard yet that everyone on, you know, everyone said was very cool in the community. And so you had to, uh, you had to try it and you had to get it. And like, and I lost all of that shit. Uh, in in um my my uh my original boys for pele got got scratched and stuff and you can't get actually that recording some of the some of the stuff that's that's online right like is not the original stuff Tulula in particular has been heavily remixed and and a couple other of the of the like um of the house songs uh have been remixed any anyway so like i i suffered great loss uh, as a teenager with my, with my Tori Amos, uh, CD collection. Now everything's on the internet all the time. You just get everything on the waffles, but, but you uh, don't, but, but I mean, is it, I, are the deep cuts and the kind of, um, imports, uh, the, the import singles and rarities, uh, also out there on the waffles? Sure, you could, you could find them because like all it takes is one person to still have them, you know, and then suddenly the whole world has them, right? Right. That's, that's kind of how we live. Right, right, right. That's sort of how um, we live now. But so, but I, th- I think that this, like, again, so, I mean, what, what I kind of then hear is that, that, um, I mean, how did you square that? So, you know, you, you viewed yourself as both on the one hand, there was like a very intensely personal relationship with the music and then kind of a, you know, slightly larger me- uh, knowledge of membership in this, um, you know, oh, yeah, in a isolated fandom. Was definitely. In the fandom, but then, yeah. And, and then, um, that, but how does that square with things like, you know, um, Boys for Pele being the number two record in the country for a time. Yeah, I mean, isn't that isn't that strange? I can't really imagine, you know, normal people listening to that record and liking it. I still can't. Uh, I think it's awesome, but but I think the awesome things about it are are what maybe they just didn't listen to the lyrics at all, you know. Well, it's also they. Well, but this is also the thing. I mean, you have to. This is a time where, right? You you bought. Um, albums mostly sight unseen i mean you could like go to your sam goody or the wall which was a regional record store in in pennsylvania and go to the listening station and give it a listen but you get like one listen right and in and and sometimes uh during busy times you can't get the whole way through an album you just listen to a couple right so it's not like you can 
um, you know, listen, you know, a few times before buying or just, you know, stream or steal or whatever um, you, you do, right? That, you know, these people bought it. So it's not that the, you know, the things that they were, um, right, that the sales for um, Boys for Pele are based on the songs on um, 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 on, on, on Under the Pink, right? right? Um, and so that's, I think, the way to think of that. So, I mean, it's very possible that they got Boys for Pele, uh, listened to it once, and then, you know, now there are landfills filled with uh, with with copies of, of Boys for Pele, right? Um, yep. You know, because it's just like, this is not what... Um, what I expected. And I don't know how the chart performance um, has been since then, but, you know, that said, you know, that, you know, and it would be interesting to kind of chart her sales and or chart positions um, over all of the, uh, of, of the albums. Um, but I think that, you know, again, this album is, um, it, it seems to be both critically and commercially um, successful, right? And she is having these features in, in, and she is considered a celebrity, um, uh, uh, at least for the purposes of giving makeup tips um, and and for being included in a, in in uh, on the pages of a a um, tabloid. Um, and I don't know; it's interesting. It's just, I guess, you know. I mean, it, what I'll say is that I think that's a great venue to to advertise in because if anyone could uh, could he- stand to hear the the message. Um, I'm going to free myself from your opinion. It's the readers of Us Weekly, right? Right. I mean, that's like actually really interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and actually, what I actually was going to uh, say is that, I mean, this turns in some interesting ways to um, the last movement. Um, you know, and that actually, uh, you know, on uh, Oysters, there is a line where she says, not every girl is popular, uh-huh. and then repeats popular several times. Um, and I think it's actually really interesting that, you know, she engages with this um, there with um, ideas of, uh, about kind of permanence and impermanence um and and memory uh, on on all three of these songs in this last movement of oysters rose dover and invisible boy right and and i think what's actually interesting is that and maybe it's because they fall at the end of the album um and you know initially i actually felt um like you did that these were kind of this indistinct um soup and 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 i felt like you know again we've talked about this i prefer the the rhythmic and the and the up tempo and the loud generally and so this was like generally the opposite of what I um, tend to like because these are are the most kind of piano driven um, you know ballad type not even ballad just kind of um, you know piano songs um, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word um, and yet what I found after kind of um, you know some of my most intense days of listening to this album a few times and then like at the end of the day or the beginning of the next day, the songs that were actually in my head were, were fragments of these, um, of, of each of these songs. Huh. And then, you know, she uses the word, um, fragments right in, in oysters. Um, and, uh, you know, she says, um, you know, there are forces of conflict taking portions of my mind in whose realm laced with trickery, the fragments I must find. Um, and so I think that, you know, that, um, there's this interesting engagement 
in in this movement um you know about with popularity and and poppiness that this kind of what is should not be the poppy part of the album um has these really either the the um the the kind of very slow and kind of mournful um melodic turns on invisible boy um and and both the kind of main kind of invisible boy theme and then the you know more verse like piece um about um jumping uh, on a triumph like Steve McQueen um or some of the um pieces of Rose Dover um, um uh, also really are are very um catchy but not in these kind of conventionally catchy ways um and so i, I yeah i i think that that kind of I don't know. Is it, how did you on later listens? Um, did anything in these songs kind of emerge from the soup for you? Yeah. Uh, in well, I mean, I oysters. I I like the solo. I like the solo piano. Sure. Uh, Tori Amos. So that that was winning. Um, but uh, in in right in Invisible Boy got uh, I, I don't know Invisible Boy. Um, well, I don't know. It would it would start another twenty minute a twenty minute thing. But that was actually one of the ones I was thinking of because it's like invisible boy. You know what I mean? Like in the <laughs> in the like the you know baroque pop vocal stylings. That's that's sure. actually the one that started me thinking about the the kind of vocal performance before. So that's yeah. the, you know a bit of what I what I have to no, say. No, totally. And but that wormed itself into my brain, right? That it, it that um it became that the way that the performance combined with the melody yeah. um was. Like oddly, like like shockingly catchy, yeah. right? Um, and that's what's really cool that that there is, you know, at when she is, um, you know, pop at the most popular, she's she alienates, and when she's kind of, you know, being, you know, potentially alienating um, or 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 subverting, she then, um, whether it's in uh, album structure, song structure, or performance style. Um, you know, can actually, you know, be very catchy. And again, that like, it's really interesting that I never made this connection before, but the, the kind of similarities in kind of artistic intent and kind of larger project with MIA are really interesting to me, right? That, um, and, and then even though like the kind of battlefields on which they're waging and the kind of where they fit within the industry are, are, are radically different. There are a lot of, um, interesting, um, uh, overlaps in terms of of you know thematic content and kind of like strategy and tactics right so i think it's um it's it's very very interesting but these were you know i think that um in kind of the phases of of getting into this album um you know i i started to you know there's a few songs that i really um liked and then um then that kind of allowed me having them as signposts allowed me to kind of understand the structure of an album as a whole and then this last movement really actually started to really worm its way into my head um and i started to like really like like it and then that kind of warm glow of like um of 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 subversive poppiness then spread uh, over the rest of the album um and so it's this interesting kind of inside out um mechanism of getting into into the album um and it wasn't um yeah so it didn't take like i mean this, it played out over like the course of a week or so um and the, uh, the week or so that it's been out um 
and so yeah, I think that it's kind of an interesting way to kind of engage with um, you know catchiness and 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 how melody works uh, it, it, um, with respect to these other the other shades of blue uh, with which she has uh, armed herself. So uh, we have not freed ourselves from our listeners' opinions, so uh, we hope you will share them with us uh, either on Twitter at TFT Podcast or uh, in the comments for the show notes for this episode. Uh, we're really excited about the records that we have c- coming up. Um, we're finalizing some some scheduling stuff, and there may be some guests coming on soon, so uh, watch Twitter for news of that. Uh, until then, uh, Ryan, I'm so glad that we got, I'm so glad that we got to do this. I'm so glad that finally we got to, I got to share my, uh, my deep love of, uh, of Tori Amos with you and, uh, with the audience. Thank you for listening and thank you, Ryan, for talking about it with me. It's been real.